0: Hello and welcome to What's the Story, Ghost? I'm your host, Annette.
1: And I'm Stephen.
0: And today we are on episode 26. Stephen.
1: Annette.
0: Have you ever heard of the Sally House?
1: Sally House.
0: I was going to say it kind of sounds like a pub, like an Irish pub. The Sally House. Uh, But that's what we're going to cover today. Can we crack on? Crack, we crack. In a normal looking town, on a normal looking street, is a normal looking house. Not that the house isn't lovely or homely or, dare I say, quaint. I just mean, it doesn't look haunted. Photos of the Borley Rectory, Phelps Mansion or Drumbeg Manor, they're all old and therefore creepy. And a lot of photos of the Amityville house always seem to be taken in the dark, so those homes tend to look the part. And although Atchison, Kansas may be one of the most haunted cities in the world, From the outside, Sally House does not look haunted. As always, to understand today we need to go back. Sally House was built in the mid to late 1800s when Michael C. Finney purchased the land. The exact dates are unknown because flooding wiped out most of the town records, but it's thought that Finney moved into the property in 1871. Sadly, Michael died in the home on the 27th of September 1872. He left behind his pregnant wife, Kate, two sons, James and Charles, and a daughter, Agnes. The family were soon joined by another brother, Edwin, but sadly he passed away in the home in 1874. Despite this sad time, the Finney family flourished and stayed in the home for a little over 70 years. Over that time, the house had seen its fair share of deaths with Michael Finney first, in 1872, and then baby Edwin in 1874, William True, husband to Agnes, in 1918, Kate Finney, also in 1918, and then Agnes Finney True in 1939. So nothing openly definitive happened that we know of that could explain why this home is now known as the most haunted home in all of America. Let me explain the course of events in case you've never heard of Sally House. The story goes that Charles C. Finney worked as a bookkeeper for a time and then received his MD degree in 1894. He then married his wife Louise Zebold in 1904 and three years later in 1907 his son was born and they named him Charles H. Finney. In 1913, Charles C. was elected Mayor of Acheson, but removed from office due to some sort of scandal in 1916. Dr. Charles Finney passed away in 1947 at the age of 82. We're not here for the facts, we're here for the legend, and this one has two. The first of the legends say that Dr. Charles Finney was operating his doctor's office out of the first floor of his home. Late one night, a mother rushed her six year old daughter Sally to the home after she began to scream with abdominal pain. When Dr. Finney discovered that the girl's appendix was about to rupture, he opted to perform an emergency appendectomy at his residence as he feared for her life. But he didn't allow enough time for the anesthetics to take effect before beginning the procedure. The little girl died on the table from shock and blood loss. In the second legend, and the far darker version of events, it's said that Sally was born as a result of an affair Dr. Finney was having with an African-American housemaid. Sally became ill, again with abdominal pains, so her mother naturally brought her to her father, assuming her father, being a doctor, would help his daughter. But he wouldn't help, or allow the girl to be taken to a hospital, for fear that his extramarital activities would be exposed. Instead, he performed the surgery himself, and she died due to the botched procedure. Now both of these legends are terribly sad, and even more tragic is there's no actual evidence that this child ever existed, which is the first thing skeptics will jump on. However, the second legend is calling to me. First things first, I am not tiring all men with the same brush, but secret affairs in the early 1900s were common and even more common were wives knowing all about the affairs and not only saying nothing, but actively helping to cover up an indiscretion for fear of what the neighbours would say. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities. Next, a child born out of wedlock in 1900s America, from an affair with a married man nonetheless, wouldn't have really produced much documentation. This was all fixed with secrets and go-away money. Remember, Dr. Finney supposedly wouldn't let the woman bring the girl to the hospital where she could have been treated, but then again, how do you treat a child who doesn't exist on paper? And lastly, does anyone remember me saying Charles C. was elected mayor of Atchison but removed from office due to a scandal in 1916? Make of it what you will, but something was left behind in that house. If the legend is true, in either version, the last thing that poor girl saw was a grown-up someone she was probably taught to respect and trust, was hurting her even if they meant to help her. That has to leave an impression. From Magnus's death in 1939 to the next time the home was occupied, not much is known. But in 1948, the Miz family moved in. Now, if you know this story, you know that up until the Pickman family, who we will discuss, there's no mentions of any strange activities. But I wondered did it all actually start with the Miz family, because they moved in and out just as quickly with no explanation. In 1958, Ethel Anderson moved into the home until 1990. In 1990, the Hubbard family lived in the home for a short time. Their daughter, Heather, talked about her friend Sally, always considered by her parents to be imaginary. The next family to move into the home were the Pickmans. Tony, Deborah, and soon to be joined by their son as Deborah was pregnant. They moved in December 31st, 1992. As first-time homeowners, they put a lot of the strange happenings down to the fact that the house was over 100 years old. They seemed to think the activity really started about a month after they moved in, but I think they may have written off a lot of activity to begin with. Lights in the house would dim, and the TV and radio would switch back on when they walked out of the room after being switched off. Their dog was said to bark incessantly at the entrance to one of the upstairs bedrooms that later became the nursery, and they believed the activity seemed to pick up after their son was born. Can we stop for just a second though? If your dog is going bonkers for what seems to be absolutely no reason, please know that it's very possible there is a reason, you just can't see it. Anyway, another thing Deborah found odd was that her newborn was waking every hour, Now I know what you're thinking, no one realises how much babies wake up during the night until they have their own. But the baby didn't wake up crying, looking to be fed, changed or held. He'd just wake up and goo and gas if someone or something was playing with him. The out-occurrence became more of a concern for Deborah when her neighbour asked, Why do you keep the light on all night in the nursery? When Deborah and Tony knew for a fact they switched the light off so the baby could sleep but that was just the beginning. About seven months after they moved in, Tony, Deborah, and Deborah's sister, Karen, went into the nursery and found all the toy animals sitting in a circle in the middle of the room. Each thinking it was a prank by one of the other two people, they thought nothing of it, put the animals back where they went, turned off the lights, and went downstairs. To their horror, when they returned to check back on their newborn, not only was the light, of course, back on, but one of the toys they placed on the wicker chair was lying on the ground. I'd be out the door so I can understand that the Pigments decided to pack a bag for the three of them and spend the night with Tony's parents. As Tony leaned over to place the baby into his car seat, he felt a sharp pain down his back. When he lifted his shirt, there were three long scratches down his back. Tony would continue to get viciously scratched as time went on, as well as welts on his neck. nothing aggressive happened to Deborah. It became truly terrifying when a scratch appeared while a video was being recorded. Media attention was piqued and the series Sightings visited the house and filmed an episode there. This incident led Pickman to a psychic who sensed the presence of a female named Sally. To look for paranormal activity, the crew set up their cameras and began interviewing Deborah, with clear instructions to move the camera if anything unusual happened. Out of the view of cameras, Tony sat in the chair with Baby while Deborah was being interviewed. After hearing Tony screaming, they discovered that his arm had been scratched. Although Tony was horrified by the experience, he could do nothing. As he was being interviewed, he noticed he was being scratched and after removing his shirt, he discovered he had scratches on his chest and then after that scratches on his back. They stayed in the home because Deborah wanted to know why this was happening to Tony, and you would think that, seeing as it was all happening to Tony, he would want to leave, but they were both curious. One night, a few months later, Tony went to get a drink from the kitchen. When he turned to leave the kitchen, standing right in front of him, clear as day, was a little girl dressed in early 1900s clothing. He sketched her for Deborah to see. After two years, the Pickmans called it quits and moved out of the house. Next to move into the home in the early 2000s was Mary Liggett, her husband, and their two children. They leased the property from owner Les Smith. On a surprise maintenance visit to the home, Smith wrote in his report discovered a large pentagram on the basement floor, an altar of some sort, and other disturbing things. Les Smith quickly asked the supposed Satan worshiper, Mary Liggett, to remove herself from the premises immediately. From the many, many YouTube videos that I watched for this episode, the one thing most of the paranormal investigators, mediums, and empaths felt vehemently about is that Sally is the least of the problems in this house. The real issue is in the basement. I was thinking that story.
1: Now, (laughs) I feel that you have led me down a lovely, wonderful story about Sally. Okay. And then also goes like for part two no it's like, it's like click, this was clickbait this is a click <laughs> this episode is called clickbait no
0: the reason being is i like to put stuff in the story that i know is absolutely factual and i know i did obviously say that the, i i when i say legend i mean um the story can't really be corroborated yeah. but when i want to talk to you a little bit more in detail about stuff that i know is not factual and there's no there's no a b c d it's like a b1 c3 four. like it none of this makes sense so that's why i took i took a lot of notes so what um, happened in the basement okay so i was watching one of my youtube peoples who uh it's a group of young people and um, i actually got a lot of information about the waverly case from this group and they had a tour guide they brought her she brought them in that was fine. That was great. And then she mentioned the basement. And I was like, I haven't read anything about the basement. But they brought a medium in with them. They call her the Black Pendulum.
1: Oh, that is...
0: Uh, like, That's a that uh, boss name. But she she's for
1: amazing. For a medium or a foreign <laughs>
0: <there>. <laughs> She's amazing, though. She's uh, extremely empathic. Like, I know I'm a bit empathic, but she's she's beyond. And she came into the house. I, mean, I, I, I understood that. Obviously, there's the, the four people or the five people that passed away in the house for natural causes. And, and she's aware of them, but she's also then aware of a, a male, an adult woman, a teenager, a military presence. There's a whole bunch of people in there that she that nobody else even knows of, but she's picked up on. Then she went down to the basement. Immediately she started to feel nauseous. She started to feel a massive pressure kind of headache.
1: Gluten poisoning. <laughs>
0: um, the theory is... Uh, long before Mary Liggett went down and opened up a porthole to hell, I wondered, did she go down there looking for something? Did she sense that there was something in the basement? And the theory is Sally doesn't exist. There's an evil entity in there who is projecting a young girl, very sad, you know, really precious.
1: Come with me. Down let to let the me show you. <laughs> And, then, and I'll give you lollipops.
0: Exactly. And then the ground opens up and
1: eats you. So. And you have no lollipops.
0: Exactly. No, there are no lollipops. Like, there never no, was any lollipops. No. Let, let's be honest. If you were driving down a dark road and you saw a fully grown man stumbling around the place, would you be inclined to do anything if you were on your own in the car and you were on a road you didn't know? Or would you be more inclined to help a young six-year-old mm. who looked like she was lost and was crying mm. and was upset? So... There's two theories. Either Sally is real. A bit mischievous. She does tend to move things. She's a little bit mischievous. She uh, likes to play with kids. She loves women. Hates men. Vehemently hates men. Nothing ever happens to any of the women. So the theory is that either she is the ghost... That
1: because the doctor is a
0: bad man. No, but see, that's why I said that in the first version, it's thought that he did try and help her. He just...
1: Didn't give enough time for the, the yeah. He
0: had like the anesthetic in one hand and he had the scalpel in the other hand and he knew he, I time, think
1: yeah,
0: it was either about to rupture or it had. And you know from the limited medical experience they even had back then, even they knew if your appendix ruptures, you have yeah. you have seconds. So he was adamant to try and get in there and help her, but all she saw was this man coming at her with a scalpel and then you know starting a procedure and she felt everything. So her last moments were just terror, absolute terror like it'd, it'd be like your worst paralysis or what's it called sleep, sleep paralysis, paralysis. that that'd just be horrendous like if the i know that there's two parts of anesthetic one kind of helps you sleep and the other one obviously numbs you pain, yeah so unless i don't know maybe he thought she was asleep and therefore numb and she just felt everything that has to leave an imprint on the house though
1: even still, that's what she'll remember. If he was trying to be good, she'll remember mm. him and she could have been trying to, in her mind, clawing at him to get away. Or if he was hurting her on purpose, she could have been clawing on him to get away.
0: That's where the second one kind of reigns a little bit. I, I, I'm more afraid of the second legend. That that seems way too dark. But, do you know what? In the 1900s? Probably. Yeah. Um... And then the fact that he was <coughs> removed from office, I was just kind of like, mm, okay, that seems like all the bells are ringing. Because one of the tour guides said that she was given a script when she walked in, but then she was like, yeah, but I want to know why. Why did this happen? And why did that happen? And I love her. I'm all for that. I love knowing the why. It's the when we can't figure out why. That's what freaks us out. But she was like, okay, it couldn't have been him because he was voted into office. And then when I read the other bit and I was like, yeah, but he was also removed from office because of a scandal. Because think about it this way, even if it wasn't his daughter, even if it was actually somebody who came to his home, if he then ran for office and was elected, if anything happened, let's pretend hypothetically we have a six-year-old instead of saying our own kids, if something happened to your son or your six-year-old daughter, wouldn't you be the first person to put your hand up and say, I'm sorry, he does not deserve to be in office. He neg- he was negligent with my daughter mm. and blah, blah, blah. So one way or another, either the scam came out about the affair or the mom who lost her daughter. Was grief struck and she was like, no, no way that man should be in office. So things kind of lined up. Um, the black pendulum. Her name is Marie Jackson. She's absolutely amazing. (laughs) She said, obviously, that there's a male, there's an adult woman. Oh, oh, that was another theory. The adult woman was apparently, uh, the African American housemaid. Wow. So not only did he kill the daughter, but, you know, the dutiful wife in 1900s who, God forbid, what would the neighbours think? They just killed the whole lot. Because I kept thinking, apparently at the time, he was living with his wife, his mother-in-law, and then obviously there was the woman and there was the little girl. So there's all these people in this room, in this house, and nobody said anything. So I kind of thought, no, nope, dutiful wife, 1900s, clear up an affair, kill them. Kill everybody. Bury them. Oh, oh, awesome. Awesome. So I'll have to show you pictures in the videos when you go down to the basement the basement looks like it's one room and then you turn around and you look back on where you've just come from. And that was bricked up. It's not part of the, the blueprints that it's two separate rooms. It was bricked up for whatever reason. So they, they haven't checked in the foundations, but they reckon if anyone is in there, it could be Somebody. the mum and the daughter. Because I always find this very strange The
1: housewife when, and, Or the house cleaner And, and her
0: daughter Yeah Because I always find With like the likes of graveyards Why, why, why would ghosts haunt a graveyard? That's just where their body is I think they're more inclined To stick with Or be imprinted on The home something traumatic happened in That they just can't move mm. on from why, why would they Why would they haunt People a say you have
1: to stay close To the actual place you died mm. Or where the body is
0: Because that's the place You can't move on from mm-hmm. That's where you have Your unfinished business but she said, that the way she described it was, she said there's an energy one. So she doesn't call them spirits because spirits bring religion into it. And she okay. didn't really want to get into the whole skydiving thing. Mm-hmm. So there's an energy one, which is less evil. They're usually your kid ghosts. The way we talked about in Waverly Hills, the little kid who liked to play ball with yeah. people. Uh, energy two is a little bit more physical. So you might deal a brush or you, you get Calvary's a sense. Or yeah, more. like a sense. Uh, an energy three is scratches. So they can be a lot more physical. And then an energy four can reveal themselves. Uh, So like, say, dark dark shadows, they may or may not have been in human form at one point. Some are human, and then they become evil. Or they are a whole other thing, like um, the elemental that we covered in Lab Castle.
1: No, that would be
0: an energy four. Yeah, so the way she explained it, I was like, oh my God, that actually makes a lot of sense because there's so many things that we've covered so far. And I'm like, you can't really... Bundle them all into the same, calling them spirits. You can't bundle them all into the same thing. So the way she described it was very good. Um, I also vehemently agree with her. She—that's my new word for the day. Have you noticed?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, picked up She that. does
0: not agree with Ouija boards. I don't. I don't. I have to agree with her. I don't understand why people would bring in. Like, yes, bring your paranormal investigative equipment with you. Um so there's like spirit boxes where it yeah. tries to hear through the white noise and you ask it questions and it answers back but don't bring something that it can stick to because that thing's going to come home with you so we go and do a paranormal investigation and let Castle or Loftus Hall with a Ouija board that Ouija board's coming home with us so anything that we've asked questions if we don't close that off or if they don't want to leave they get stuck to us no so no 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 I did not like that Um, she brought in a raid a, ra- a what is it a raid <laughs> no she brought in a a detector for radiation. An noise It's a radia- radiation detector. Clicks. Go yeah. Go, go, go give me yeah. So she brought it in to just off. So it's like the closet of the nursery, and there was this family doing a tour, and their little toddler went missing. Now this is a two-story house. I think I'd noticed the boys went missing, especially as they start walking up the stairs. But they ended up finding her in the closet of the nursery, sitting, playing with a doll, having a full-on conversation. And her parents were like, who are you talking to? Because obviously they're open-minded. They've come to visit the house. Mm-hmm. They're like, who are you talking to? And she was like, Sally. I was like, okay, no, that's enough for me. Thank you very much. I am gone. But yeah, one theory is that it's a dangerous demonic presence from the basement. that's actually just trying to lure people downstairs with their, their pretty little six-year-old Sally, who, you know, just wants to play. Come downstairs. The other, obviously, is that she's a spirit. That she's stuck. So that's all the notes that I have. Do you notice, know, though, when I'm really afraid of an episode, I will come out with absolutely all the different facts that I can possibly find, because the more I try and understand something, the more I'm able to like desensitise myself to it.
1: I have noticed that, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> this one, I, I think it's know, just kids freaking me out. noticed it as much as it rings true when you tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just look, I'm looking for people to, to play the game. Okay. Uh, I've, we've three people we want to really play here. Tony, Deborah, and the toddler, right?
0: Yeah, I think there's too many other people to. Yeah,
1: basically what you could do here is just make a, an American horror series, call it Sally House, and then just get all the cast and just bring them for because that's yeah. what to do anyway. So, so just do that, and okay. that's the end of the segment.
0: Because <laughs> I was like, nobody's age appropriate, but it'll yeah. do. It'll do. No, no, no.
1: Tony, Tony can be played by uh, Dylan McDermott, who was the father and one of one. I think yeah. was one of the first ones. Um, and then Sarah Paulson obviously is the mother. Yes. And
0: Oh, do you know what? That's she's not actually the mum in American horror Story, so I'm actually surprised I knew who she was. Oh I now I know why I know who she is. We discussed
1: we her. Discussed before. her yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't have a toddler uh, from this uh from this one. Here. Okay,
0: now again, remember with this segment we can manipulate time so he doesn't actually have to be a toddler. Uh
1: well okay, let's go back and play put Macaulay Culkin in there.
0: Yeah, but he has played parts really, really young. Maybe not that young, but you could go a toddler. I think he'd always have the same hair. So even yeah. as a toddler, he would probably still look as cute as hell.
1: Cute as hell. I thought you he it was a cute as <laughs> hell. Uh, yeah, so there you go. But then, and then Cathy and Bates, obviously, thrown in there somewhere too. But
0: Cathy Bates could be Kate. Yeah. Because remember, when Michael first built the house, I don't know if you noticed it, but the house was built in 1871. He died in 1872. And she was pregnant, so I think Kathy Bates could be her because she had to do everything by herself. She had the the two boys already, she had her daughter, and then she had another little boy because she was pregnant when Michael died. But I was thinking um, you could do the cast of Six Sense.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, you could do that trio. It's very seldom that you'd see a trio.
1: Who's the one, Michelle yeah. fiver No, but she'd be good. She's in a, in a cool horror movie. What lies beneath? That one, that savage exact... film,
0: brilliant yeah. movie. <gasps> Maybe we should start watching horror movies because I only learnt recently the horror. Start with
1: Stranger Things. We
0: could we could do that. Yeah. No, because
1: no. then I won't be able to call cast members and I go, yeah, fit <laughs> that person. I know who blah, that blah, blah, is. Blah,
0: blah. Um, I always thought a thriller was a psychological kind of. Oh my God, that's amazing! That plot twist. And then I always mm. thought horror was gore, but horror is not gore. Horror doesn't necessarily mean it has to be gratuitously violent. Um, so the, the, it just, it's opened up a whole new genre to me. The score is always the best part because if the score is always oh, wow. like that anticipation music, yeah. that really, that really kind of gets you kind of. <gasps> Any questions for me on that? No, or... I think,
1: I think you answered them all. Yes, I'm happy. It
0: was quite descriptive, I thought. Mm-hmm. Again, I, uh, I explained that when a score, when a, when a story freaks me the frick out. Um, I will try and find as many details I don't know if I put too much into that was that was that no, too much it's bit, it's
1: uh, I
0: didn't do the, the, too much history I just don't know if all the rest of it was just I like the way you did that one yeah mm-hmm. okay cool words? we finish
1: up three words okay
0: awesome so if you have any questions or queries on today's episode please feel free to DM us on our Instagram what's the story ghost? if you've had any personal experiences yourself that you would like to share our email is what'sthestoryghost@gmail.com. at gmail.com and on that note
1: exit jingle They're just getting
0: better and better. (laughs) Bye! You have to
1: say bye. Oh
0: yeah,
1: bye.